Well, thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. Well, I am not sub 30 and they let me in. Dave and I have been married 49 years. So, and we are pretty much nothing alike. So that's proof that with God, all things are possible. Amen. We have a great marriage, four grown kids, two son-in-laws, two daughter-in-laws, 11 grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. So praise God. Well, I'm glad to be with you guys tonight and glad to have an opportunity to speak into the life of young people because you are the future and you're living in a time that is very unique in that it's probably some of the worst of times and yet the best of times. You probably at your age have no idea really how much things have changed and not necessarily for the good in say like the last 50 years. I mean, when Dave was growing up, the worst thing that happened was the first paper boy in St. Louis got robbed and everybody thought that was just an absolute disaster. And now we have some of the things going on today that are going on. But you have a great opportunity to not just tell other people about Christ, but to get out and show them what it's like to be like Christ. He's called us to be his ambassadors, and I love what the Amplified Bible says. God is making his appeal to people through us. Now, isn't that awesome? Christ in us, the hope of glory, and his making, he's making his appeal through us. So before I get into my message tonight, I just wanna give you a little, little exhortation and a little encouragement. It's very important in the times that we live in that you know what you believe, that you really know what you believe, that you're well grounded in the word and you know what you believe because there is so much deception out there that's trying to take people's faith away from them. But if you really know that you know that you know, then nobody can ever steal it from you. Secondly, make sure you know God for yourself. Don't just have a secondhand faith that comes through your pastor or the person you admire or your friend or whoever else. Know God for yourself. I like to look at the prayers that the apostle Paul prayed in some of the epistles and in one he gives us three instructions. It's uh, Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. He said, I pray for you that you would know God, verse 18, that you would know your inheritance among the saints and the hope of your calling, or to shorten it up, that you would know who you are in Christ. And third, that you would know the power that's available to you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Know God, know who you are, we're gonna to talk tonight about being yourself and not ever trying to be somebody else. Know who you are, and then last, make sure you know the power that's available to you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Study the Word. I'm a Word person. I, 40 years ago this month, I taught my first home group. <laughs> 40 years ago this month. And, um, I just wanna tell you that if God can use me, he can use anybody, and I really mean that. I'm not just saying it to be funny. 
My father sexually abused me for all the years that I was growing up. That's really all I can remember. Uh, and it was a very sick and difficult situation. My mom knew about it, but didn't know how to do anything about it. She lived in fear all of her life, and she was kind of a, a weaker personality that didn't know how to confront things. And uh, so she, she let it happen, but hide from it. And when I was 18, I left home thinking, well, now, I've, I don't have, now I'm away from that problem. I walked away from that problem. But here's the thing. I didn't realize for another probably 10, 20 years that I walked away from the problem, but I still had the problem in my soul. I still had it etched in my soul. And I love that Jesus is the healer of the brokenhearted. He's the only one that can get down inside of us and touch the places that nobody else can touch. But you must study the Word of God. Just give me a couple minutes just to tell you how wonderful the Word of God is. I quickly sat down one day and I wrote down 40 promises that I find in the Word of God. Things that the Word will do for us. It keeps us from sin. It keeps us strong. It gives us hope. On and on and on and on. But the Word of God is full of power. Literally, the words that Jesus spoke, the words that the apostles spoke, led by the Holy Spirit. They're like little power pellets. And when, they, when you take them in, when you receive them, when you hear the word, you receive it, you love it, and you obey it, it actually has the ability to change you. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says that when we look into the word of God, we are changed into his image. From glory to glory to glory. Change. The Word of God changes us. And in James 1, 21, it says the Word of God has the power to save our souls. When you're born again, your spirit's saved. It's our soul that gives us trouble. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Well, the Word of God has healed my emotions. It's changed my mind. And it's captivated my will. Amen. And let me just tell you, there is nothing better, nothing better than serving God with every little tiny bit of energy that you have got. Because let me tell you something, when this is all over, and it will be, only He's going to be left. And each of us will stand before God and give an account of our lives. And this is the time to live it right. If you do what's right today, you won't have regrets tomorrow. There's nothing worse than getting old and having nothing but regrets. I watched my dad do that. 83 years old, he finally accepted Christ. I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord and baptizing him. I'm glad to know that he's in heaven, but he lived a miserable, wretched life. And at the end of his life, I could actually see the regret on his face. He regretted what he did to me. He regretted the way he treated people. He regretted he didn't have any friends. The only way to live without regret is to make right decisions while there's still time to turn things around and make changes. Amen? And then one more thing I want to say. This is something that God actually put in my heart last week, just a, a phrase, and uh, I think it's really powerful. I want to begin to tell people this, and you're a good group to start with. You're the first ones to get this hot off the press, okay? And you know, we live in times where there's a big push to try to be relevant 
<laughs> to the world. You know, we want to understand people. We want to embrace people. We want to be relevant. You know, we, are, we want our ministries to be relevant to young people. And I'm all for that. But here's what God said. Tell people not to try to be so relevant to society that they become irrelevant to me. Amen. Amen. So there, you get that first. I love that. We have to always put God first in our life. Well, I told them in the first service that the second message was gonna be better than the first one was. Tried to make them a little jealous and then Pastor Weems was over there going. He didn't want them all to try to come back to this one. All right. One of the worst times that I can remember in my life, and I don't think they do things this way now, but when I was in grade school, we had a softball team and um, a girls softball team. And so you would have two captains, one for each team. And then all the girls would stand around and the captains would pick who they wanted. And I never got picked first because I wasn't that great. And sometimes I didn't even get picked second or third. But my greatest fear was standing there and not getting picked at all and being the last one standing there and somebody having to take me because they had no choice. We all wanna be picked, don't we? We wanna be the one that's chosen. But what do you do when God doesn't pick you? <laughs> now God's got something for every single one of us, but he doesn't always pick us for what we would like to be picked for. Amen. God has a purpose for your life. And if you happen to be in a position right now where you're feeling kind of purposeless and you're not really thinking you know what you're supposed to be doing, somebody asked me the other day, how can I know what my purpose is? I said, just start doing a few things and you'll find out. Amen. I, have a real, I have a real easy method of finding out what God wants you to do. Just step out and find out. Try some stuff, see if, you, see if it fits, see if it works, see if you're good at it, see if there's an anointing on it, see if people receive it. And if it's not the right thing, then shake it off and go on to the next thing. Yeah. We're way too afraid of making mistakes. Yeah. Way, way, way too afraid of somebody thinking that we didn't hear from God. Well, you know, that's not the worst thing in the world if you step out and try to do something and it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I, I used to be a bookkeeper before I became a teacher a Bible teacher, I was a bookkeeper, I was an office manager, I was a credit manager, I was a clerk, I was a waitress for a period of time, and now here I am preaching the Word. So you never know what God has for you, and all you can do right now is lay your hand to what's in front of you and trust God that whatever, whatever you lay your hand to now, listen to me, there's something in it that will help you in your future. There's something in it that will help you in your future. And even if you're in a situation where you don't like where you're at, you don't feel like you're treated good where you're at, even that you can learn from. Let me tell you something. Most of the great lessons that I learned in life about ministry, I learned from somebody who didn't treat me right. And I learned from being in that situation that I never wanted to treat people the way they treated me. Man. So you can learn something everywhere, anywhere where you're at. But God's got a purpose for you and a call on your life. 
but now he has to get you ready for it. Amen. We live in such an age of image. Everything today is about our image. How many people do we have on Facebook? Facebook. Do we, do we look great when we take our selfies, you know? I, <laughs> I know that's a big thing and I'm not trying to down it, but you should have seen me about three years ago when I found out about selfies. I'm like, what in the world is a selfie? And now we have selfie sticks. You can get the thing way out there and take your pictures. Well, I know I'm a little outdated, but I've only managed to take one decent selfie in all this time. I still can't quite figure out how to do it. But here's the thing that I said, I've spent 40 years trying to die to self and now everybody stands around and takes pictures of themselves all day. Something's wrong with that. But don't you agree that we live in an age where people are kind of overly concerned about their image? But what we need to be concerned about is character. How can you be concerned about character in such an age of image? Because you know what the Bible says? God doesn't see as man sees. Man looks on the appearance, but God looks on the heart. And let me tell you something. When God picks you to do something for him, it doesn't really matter what anybody else sees or what they think. If you'll keep going forward with God, God will do things in you and through you that will just absolutely shock you and leave you in awe. Let's look at um, Genesis chapter 9. Well, my goodness, I've wrinkled up a bunch of my Bible pages. That'll never work. You got to take good care of your Bible. I hug mine sometimes. I do. I walk around just, I've even been known to kiss my Bible. I love it. What's in here is save my life. Genesis chapter 9, verse 11. Now, God made a covenant with a man named Noah, and he said, I will establish my covenant or my pledge with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood. So Noah had been obedient to God, and he built an ark. And I'm sure that he went through a lot doing that. There's no, no telling what people thought. I'm sure they thought he was a lunatic and crazy and his family probably made fun of him and he lost his reputation and all kinds of things. But, you know, you have to, if you're gonna do anything for God, you will be tested in the area of reputation. You are definitely gonna find somebody that doesn't like what you're doing and wants to make fun of you for it and talk to you about it, especially if you decide to really go all the way with God. Now you could maybe be a little religious and people would put up with it, but when you begin to really radically fall in love with Jesus, you're gonna get some op opposition. I love the fact that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus made himself of no reputation. I love that. In other words, he just, from the beginning, had to not care what people thought. And the Apostle Paul said, it's recorded in Galatians 1.10, now listen to this, if I were trying to be popular with people, I would not now be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we get God or we get popularity, but we don't always get both, at least not in the beginning. Yeah. 
I lost every friend I had when I accepted the call to teach and preach the word. Every single friend I had, I got asked to leave my church. Our family turned against us. They thought we were crazy. We lost pretty much every single friend that we have had. And I was lonely for a long time, but you know what? I'm not lonely now. <laughs> and that's the thing that you wanna remember. Anything that you have to lay down to keep your walk with God, God will give it back to you multiplied many times over in due time. Amen? Don't ever be afraid to pay the price because the reward will come later. Amen? So he made it, he, Noah had obeyed him at the cost of losing his reputation and going through a lot of other things. And so God now says, I'm gonna make a covenant with you and I'm gonna promise you and all the generations to come that I will never destroy the earth again with a flood. And, and he said, this is how I'm going to seal this covenant. I'm gonna set a rainbow in the sky and every time you see that bow, you or anybody in the generations in the future that's my promise to you that I will never destroy the whole earth again with a flood. Well, how many of you know rainbows are really pretty? We're all kind of amazed at a rainbow. Every once in a while you get a double rainbow and that's really a cool thing. And when it rains, if the sun's shining right, sure enough, still to this day, you get a rainbow. You know, I'm sure after what Abraham, I mean, after what uh, Noah went through, I'm sure he needed a rainbow day. Is there anybody here tonight that you're at a point in your life where you could use a rainbow day? You would love to just have a good, something special, pretty, lovely thing from God. Well, three chapters later, and I don't know exactly how long three chapters takes in the Bible, but three chapters later, a man named Abraham enters. It's amazing to me sometimes just how things, how radically things can change in a short period of time. Over here now in chapter nine, Noah's getting a rainbow. Now Abram also makes a covenant with God. And let's read what it says about him. First of all, the first three verses, Genesis 12, one through three, they're really exciting. The Lord said to Abram, go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country, from your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Well, how would you like that? You leave everything that you know, everything you're comfortable with, and oh, by the way, once you start going, I'll show you where to go. Can I tell you the secret of that? Sometimes you gotta give up what you got Amen. before you're gonna get whatever you're gonna get. You leave everything that you're familiar with, everything you're comfortable with. Okay, God, where do you want me to go? No, you do that first. And then when you got nothing to go back to, <laughs> You ever feel like you're being pulled apart in two different directions? Ever feel like that? Okay, you want me to tell you what that is a lot of times? Let's, let's just do a little visual. You're hanging onto this. It's not satisfying. It's not making you happy. It's not fulfilling you. What you want is this. And God's saying, let go. I got something good for you. Come on, walk away from that group of friends that's poisoning your life. Come on, give up that thing that's ruining you and you're like, Amen. but God, what are you gonna give me? 
What? See, we want to hang on to this just in case we don't like this. Then we got a little something we can run back to. But God's saying, no, let go of that and trust me completely. And boy, will God have some awesome things for you. I had to walk away from my church, walk away from my friends, take a chance on never having good relationships with family again to do what? I had this dream. I heard God say to me, you're gonna go all over the world and preach my gospel. Well, I thought it would happen surely in the next few days. You know, when God speaks to us, we don't have any conception of time. He doesn't bother to tell us how long it's gonna be. How many of you feel like God's told you you're gonna do something really great? I bet he didn't tell you when, did he? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, he did, he did. It's in the Bible, at the appointed time. I love that one. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. I got so fed up with hearing that scripture, I thought if one more person tells me not to be weary in well-doing while I'm waiting, I'm gonna give them a black eye. And you know, in the beginning, when somebody would give me that scripture, I would get excited. It's like, oh yeah, at the appointed time. And then I finally figured out one day, I still don't know when that is. <laughs> when is that? It's when God is good and ready, that's what. And you know when God's ready? No, I'll tell you when he's ready, when you're ready. Not ready to do it, but ready for it. <laughs> capable of really getting out there and doing it and giving glory to God. Can I tell you a secret? I've learned so many things. And you know, you learn a lot. That's the good thing about listening to people that are plus 30. And we're not getting into how far plus, but plus 30, actually, they know a few things you don't know. You didn't act like you believe me. You didn't, they did not sound excited when I said that, Stovall. Oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry. I know when you're your age, you think you know everything. <laughs> I did too. You know, you don't know anything till you're 40 because at about 40, you figure out you don't know anything and then that's the first time you know anything is when you realize you don't know anything. <laughs> I've learned a lot in all of those years. A lot, a lot, a lot. So now Abram gets this great promise from God. Now go for yourself away from your country, from your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you with an abundant increase of favors. And I will make your name famous and distinguished. And you will be a blessing dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will confer prosperity on those who bless you. And it was just on it. It's like, wow, God. This is awesome. It's like God said to me, you're gonna go all over the world and teach my word. I was like, yes. <laughs> I, I was just ready the next couple of days. But you know, you know what it's like? You know what it's like when God gives you a vision for your life? This is an example that I use. I don't remember if I used this at the art conference. Did I bring my puzzle with me when I did your thing? Yeah. I bought a 5,000 piece puzzle and you know, you buy a 5,000 piece puzzle 
or any puzzle if it's 100 pieces because you like the picture on the box. And that's what a vision's like. It's like you buy into the picture on the box that God shows you. See, here's the picture. All over the world, preach the gospel. Okay. Well, then you dump those pieces out on the table. And you're like, what have I done? What have I done? And so you start by just turning all the pieces right side up. And then you get all the edge pieces out, you know, because those are the easy ones. So then you make this border, you know, and then you start. And usually about at least a third of the puzzle is blue sky. <laughs> and you get so sick of blue sky after a while. And what I mean by blue sky is like for me, that was my little home Bible study. I taught that for five years with a vision to go to the world. Five years. Didn't get paid for it, didn't get any money for it. I'd quit a full-time job to get ready for ministry. We had financial needs. And I thought, surely, God, after all I sacrificed, you're gonna rush in and just really pour the blessings on. But actually, for six years, after obeying God, I had less than I did before I obeyed him. Here's what's gonna happen between now and the fulfillment of your vision, testing. You know, the worst thing that anybody can do to a young person that's talented, take somebody that hasn't even really been saved all that long, but who's got some talents and some skills and put them in a place of leadership. You can have charisma and not have character. You know why I've been here 40 years? I'll tell you why, because God did not let me do anything but teach that little home Bible study because I was not qualified in character to do more than that. I had the gift. I could pretty much teach then just like I can now. I have a strong teaching gift. Why, God, why am I not growing? Why are things not bigger? Why am I not getting speaking engagements? Why, 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 why? Well, see, I thought I was ready. <laughs> but God knew that I wasn't ready. And thankfully, he didn't loose me on the world because then I would have done nothing but brought shame to him. So what we need to do is when God's not giving us what we want as fast as we want it, we need to believe that God knows what he's doing and just settle down and enjoy the journey. See, what I didn't do was I did not know how to enjoy the journey. And if I can tell you anything, I can tell you enjoy every phase of your journey. Every phase of your journey with God, enjoy it. And while you're growing up in God, enjoy yourself. Come on, enjoy yourself. Don't be mad at yourself because you're not what you're gonna be later. Enjoy yourself where you're at right now. Amen? So, Abram gets this great promise from God. It's all exciting. And then God says, now I'm going to seal this covenant with you. Remembering Noah got a rainbow. <laughs> Some, somebody's already there. Verse 10, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your posterity after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Now, I don't know, I don't understand why Noah got a rainbow 
Why didn't I get picked for the rainbow? I'm sure Abram's thinking, well, now, wait a minute. I read about Noah and he got a rainbow. And now, don't you love me? Why am I getting a circumcision? <laughs> so what happens when God doesn't pick you for the rainbow? What happens when you're watching a friend get a rainbow and you're getting a circumcision in some area of your life? All that word means the cutting away of the flesh. That's what it means. And the spiritual counterpart to that is found in the new covenant when Jesus said, circumcise your hearts. And so what God wants us to do is number one, do everything that you do with pure motives. Don't do anything to be seen of men. Don't do anything to impress people. Do what you do because you love God and you want to serve him and be a blessing to people. I'm gonna say it again. Do what you do with pure motives and we never know what our motives are until we get still enough to ask ourselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? Amen. Not what am I doing. The world can be impressed with what I'm doing, but God knows why I'm doing it. And that's what he cares about, the why. Now, let me tell you this, and you're really gonna get excited. See, actually, God used Abraham even in a greater way than he did Noah. Abraham is the father of faith. I believe the greater that God intends to use somebody, <laughs> the fewer rainbows you're gonna get and the more circumcision you're like to get. <laughs> I'm having a hard time getting them happy. But look, it's so worth it. Oh my gosh, I was so miserable when I started and I'm so happy now. I'm so happy now. And I'm 72 years old and running around acting like I'm 30 years old. Come on. If you can do this when you're almost 75. See, I wasn't gonna tell you how old I was because I thought if they know how old I am, then they may not wanna listen to me. But the truth is, you see, you can, you can, your body can get older, but you can get renewed on the inside day by day. How much you wanna bet me that I feel better physically than some of you do that are in your 30s? See, there's nothing better than knowing that you've spent your life for the purpose that God has called you to spend it for. And I tell you what, I could die right now and I would have no regrets about my life. I don't even regret the fact that my father abused me. You know why? Because I've watched God take it and use it for good and it's being a blessing to multiplied people. Well, not only did Abraham get circumcised, but every male in the house did. So here's the thing, even if you work for somebody else that God's using, you're gonna have to get circumcised right along with them or you can't even join the party. Amen. Here's a personal example from my own life. I'll put this, make this practical so you can understand what I'm talking about. One day when I was still doing home Bible studies, 
Remember, five years, not five weeks or five days, five years, long time, putting together blue sky. And by the way, after you finally get all the sky put together, then you usually start on grass and that's about as bad. <laughs> that takes even longer. And then there's always those pieces that you can't find any place for them at all. The things that happen in your life and you think, how in the world does this fit into the puzzle of my life? And boy, it really gets bad when you find a piece that looks like it fits here and you're trying to <laughs> make it. Come on, have you ever tried to make something fit into your life that didn't fit? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, my pastor came by the house and I was at a point, I was at a day, day where I, man, I needed a rainbow. Man, I was just so tired of waiting and so tired of having financial needs. And I was just believing for so many things. I just, if somebody would just call and ask me to come to their church and speak or, you know, just, just anything. I mean, this is back when I had, you know, I had 20 people on Tuesday night at my house and I'd done that five years and I had this big vision. And I would see other people preaching on television and I, I remember thinking, well, God, I don't know why you're not letting me do that. I can preach better than they can. Well, that's why I was still in my living room floor. <laughs> See, it wasn't about what I could do. Come on, hear me. It wasn't about what I could do. It was about my attitude. Well, I'm better than that. Well, why haven't you picked me? Now, I know none of you guys have these problems, but just thought I'd throw it out for good measure. So my pastor came by to drop off something. I forget. He was a young guy. He was like, he was about 26, I guess, and at that time I was about 36, and he had his new church, and I had my little Bible study, and his church was growing, and you know, my Bible study was kind of staying stagnant, doing the same thing it always did, and, and uh, I was kind of doing some things at the church and helping out, so he came by for something, and he just came back from a big conference where he was speaking, and uh, at that time he was involved with a a Bible school down in Texas that was like really popular at the time, and so to be asked to speak there was a big deal, and while he was there, he, they gave him a great offering and, and he also had some people tell him that they wanted to partner with his ministry. So he came by and he starts giving me his testimony. How many of you know that sometimes when you hear somebody's testimony, <laughs> come on, I got somebody that understands me. You know, somebody when you, sometimes when you hear somebody's testimony, it's like, would you just shut up today? I don't really want to hear about all the wonderful things that are happening to you right now. Amen? It's like, don't tell me how much weight you've lost. I don't want to know. Just, you know, don't bother telling me. And so, he, so he's telling me this. Oh, they gave me this, the offering they gave me. And, oh, and two people said they wanted to partner with my ministry at $200 a month. And he was just so excited. And I was like... Yeah, pray, praise the Lord. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was like he kind of realized what he was doing. I don't know if I looked like I was going to faint or what. And he said, oh, is it okay that I'm telling you this? It doesn't make you feel bad. I said, oh, no. I'm, I'm happy for you. And when he left, I threw myself across my daughter's bed, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. But you know what? I made a decision there that day. And this is what I said to the Lord. We are gonna tithe and give offerings until Jesus comes back to get us. If I never see one penny, if we're in need the rest of our life. And you know what? 
at that point, I wasn't doing what I thought was right to get God to do something. Come on now. At that point, I made a transition and I decided I was gonna always do what was right just because it was right if I never got one result at all. Now that's making a transition from seeking God's hand to seeking his face. So we all start out, God, I need, I need, I need. You know, the prodigal son, when he left his father's house, he said, give me my inheritance. <coughs> give me, give me, give me. Give me my inheritance. It wasn't time for his inheritance. It wasn't time for him to go out on his own, but he wanted what he wanted, and so his father let him have it. He ended up working for a pig farmer. He lost his whole fortune, ended up working for a pig farmer, finally had to eat what the pigs were eating because there was nothing else. And finally, the Bible says, he came to himself, I love that, and he came to himself, and he said, I will go back to my father. And he went back to his father and he said, make me like one of your servants. Now see, sometimes it takes a trip to the pig pen to get us from give me to make me. To get from give me what I want to make me what you want me to be. Sometimes we gotta go through a few rough things, see. And I started out, give me a big ministry. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. See, and I'm sure that there's at least a few people here tonight that are still in the give me stage. Give me, give me, give me. Well, you may have to have a little circumcision. But eventually you'll get to God. <laughs> I don't care about any of it. Just make me what you want me to be, God. I'm yours. Do what you want to do with me. Amen. Now, what happens when, which probably not a lot of you are at this point yet, but you will someday. What happens when you're pastoring a church and you have 200 people, and you've been at it five years, and a new guy comes to town, and in four months, he's got a 1,000. And you get stuck with him at the lunch table at a prayer breakfast. <laughs> and he's determined to tell you how great he's doing. What do you say about him when he's not around? Do you try to find something wrong with him so you kind of downplay his success? It's amazing the things that people can find wrong with somebody they're jealous of. Absolutely amazing. I've never had anybody judge me for anything I have who had what I had. The only time that people judge you for what you have is when they don't have it. Amen. What about when your friend gets the position or the promotion you wanted? What about when your friend loses 30 pounds and she says all she did was walk and drink lots of water? and you're starving and you've lost two pounds in four months. Don't you just hate the people with the fast metabolisms when yours is in a coma? How many of you had a skinny sister and you were kind of fluffy? We don't say the fat word, we're fluffy, okay? All right, listen, there's an example in the Bible that I have to bring up to you. And I've kind of been around the block here 40 times and got five minutes left, but I hope you're getting something out of this. Um, Jacob worked for his uncle Laban, and Laban had two daughters, Rachel and Leah. 
And the Bible says that Rachel was beautiful, but Leah had dull, weak eyes. <laughs> I guess that's a polite, biblical way of saying she wasn't very pretty. <laughs> or to go a little further, she was the ugly sister. Well, I'm sure some of you know what it's like to be compared to a sibling. They're the one who gets all the awards in sports and you can't even catch a ball. You know, this or that or whatever. None of us like to be compared to somebody else. We all want to be the one, the one that's picked for everything. Well, Laban told Jacob who wanted Rachel, he said, I want Rachel for my wife. He said, well, you work for me for seven years and then I'll give her to you. However, in that culture, the older sister was always supposed to get married first and Rachel was the younger daughter. So on his wedding night, when he was supposed to get Rachel, his father-in-law got him drunk and when he woke up the next morning, he had Leah. Now I would imagine it was a little hard on her when he woke up and went, ah. <laughs> I mean, you gotta imagine these are real situations. And so then he had to work another seven years to get Rachel and I don't get all that two wives thing in the Bible. I mean, Lord, who would want two of, I mean, I, you know. I was preaching at a church not too long ago, you know, Dodie Osteen, her husband died, you know, several years ago, John, and, uh, and I, I said, she was on the front row, and I said, whatever the devil takes from you, God will restore it seven times. She turned to the person next to her, she said, I don't want seven husbands. And so, I can't even imagine how Leah felt. Just imagine that. Jacob picked Rachel, got Leah, and if I had time to take you to the story, it's so interesting, I don't have time to do all that, but the Bible says that Leah was able to bear children, but Rachel was barren. And here's what I saw so clearly in all that. Everybody gets something and everybody doesn't get something. In other words, you have something that somebody else doesn't have, and you may be looking at them thinking, I'd like what you have, but little do you know, they're looking at you thinking they'd like what you have. I mean, <laughs> and see, here's the thing. If we keep wanting what somebody else has, then we really can't have right relationship with that person. When I started at this church that I worked at in St. Louis, where the young man was the pastor, his wife was real sweet and merciful, had a gift of mercy and blonde and blue-eyed and just, you know, just so sweet. And I mean, I was like a bull in a china closet. I was just like <laughs> bold and aggressive and I was trying to be sweet like her. I actually would lower my voice and try to be sweet. <laughs> And her and I, wouldn't, we just couldn't seem to get along good. There was just something between us and we didn't know what it was. And finally, when the, we talked about the situation that came out, I was trying to be like her and she was trying to be like me. <laughs> and so neither, we couldn't really like each other. You see, you can't really love somebody if you covet what they have, even if it's their personality. You just can't do that. And God's called us to love. That's why jealousy is not part of love. 
So I want to encourage you tonight, don't compare with other people. Don't compete with other people. Don't try to be what somebody else is. You've got something they don't have. Make the best use of your gifts that you possibly can. Jealousy is such a waste of time. The Bible says jealousy rots the bones. Rots the bones. And I'll tell you what, until you know who you are and you have confidence in who you are, God cannot really fulfill in you what he wants to fulfill. Part of our growing up, a large part of our growing up is learning who we are, learning to love yourself and learning to accept yourself and not ever want to be somebody else. Every morning when I wake up now, I say, I love you, Lord. I love myself. I love people and I love my life. Amen. And I tell you what, that's such a far cry from where I was at many, many, many years ago. Love yourself. Don't ever be against yourself. You're gonna have to put up with you the rest of your life. And if you don't like yourself, you're in bad shape because you can't even go to the bathroom without you. Everywhere you go, there you are. And you know what, in all seriousness, I believe that a large part of what's wrong with a lot of people that just aren't happy is they just don't like who they are. They don't like themselves. They don't like the way they look. They don't like their gifts. They don't like their talents. I didn't like my voice. I hated my voice. I thought I was in the wrong line when God passed out voices. And now here God's blasting it all over the nation, all over the world. I mean, I've got some funny stories I could tell you about my voice, voice, but I don't have time. What is it about you that you don't like? Why don't you offer it up to God and see what he can do with it? See what God can do with it. And if God doesn't, if God doesn't pick you for what you want him to pick you for, how should you respond to that? God, I trust you that if you don't give me what I thought I wanted, that you've got something better in mind for me and I'm just not smart enough to know how to ask for it yet. Amen. Trust God with all your heart. Be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else and enjoy your journey. You only get one go through in life and you need to enjoy every single moment of it. If you would ask me if there's anything in my life that I regret, I would tell you that I regret that I didn't enjoy my journey more. Learn how to enjoy where you're at on the way to where you're going because you're not gonna get there any faster than God gets you there. So you might as well enjoy the ride. Amen. Come on, give God a praise tonight. Thank you. I'm gonna pray for you guys. Let's stand up, I'm gonna pray for you. Okay, now remember you're gonna you're gonna not get mad if God doesn't pick you for what you wanna be picked for. Amen? You don't look sure, but you'll get there. And if you don't take it from me, God will send somebody else to preach it a different way and maybe you'll get it from them. You're gonna enjoy your journey. You're gonna enjoy yourself. Father, I pray for all the beautiful young people here tonight that they would really enjoy the life that you sent Jesus to die to give them. I pray that they would serve you with their whole heart. Let you do what you wanna do in their lives and help them be the person you want them to be, not who they wanna be. If they don't have direction right now, let them be at peace to know that you'll give them the direction they need at the moment that they really need it. I pray for them that their lives would go well and everything they lay their hand to would prosper and succeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.